seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. For Dario Argento's follow-up to Suspiria, he went all out to create a film filled with dreamlike nightmare qualities. It was not as loved as this seminal movie, however, languishing on the distributor's shelf in the US for years and being dumped on the Video Nasties list. But Argento's Inferno from 1980 is very different from Suspiria, more freeform, deliberately strange, but also wonderful. It takes its time to tune into it, and it has its strange moments which are very striking. From an almost silent underwater scene featuring corpses, through to men being torn apart by rats, this is a rather creepy nightmare. Although, for some people, it may be too bizarre for its own good. But, however, English film critic and writer Kim Newman once called Inferno one of the most underrated horror horror films of the 1980s. And in 2005, Total Film magazine named the movie one of the 50 greatest horror films ever made. But yet, even to this day, it still remains quite divisive. I shall have to pay for breaking what we alchemists call silentium. The life experiences of our colleagues should warn us not to upset laymen by imposing our knowledge upon them. The book! There are mysterious parts in that book. But the only true mystery is that our very lives are governed by dead people. In the beginning, there were three mothers, the same as there were three fates and three furies. always mistakenly call them by one terrifying name. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be left alone. My sister. Where is my sister? 
being watched and at times I think I actually feel a presence as if someone were in the room with me who lives in this damned house someone who is waiting but who you are being watched Our story as it is, and because it's dreamlike nature, it is uh, slightly uh, difficult to follow. It's about a young writer called Rose Elliot, who buys a book from an antiques dealer. It's a diary in Latin of an art from an architect called E. Varelli. She learns of the three mothers, incredibly powerful witches, and believes her apartment building is one of their homes. Terrified, she pleads for her brother Mark, who's studying musicology in Rome, to come and look after her because she's afraid of what's happening. Mark's friend, then Sarah, reads the letter she, that, that Rose had sent to him, which, she'd left, which Mark had left behind in class. She discovers the school is run by one of the mothers and is killed for this knowledge. The house of Marta Susperium, which is the, the, the witch from Susperia, has already been destroyed. And by the time Mark arrives in New York City, he's already investigating the death of his sister. And he goes on to learn exactly what is, lurks within the apartment building. Terrible acting, awful dialogue, a complicated and confused plot. Inferno is a mess of a film, but what a glorious mess it is. A heady mix of dream logic, bizarre disjointed narrative and gore. It's a film consisting of set pieces rather than following anything traditional as in a story sense. And as such, it's a confusing and disorientating affair. Certainly Lee McCloskey, who plays Mark, appears to be in a very different movie than anybody else. Seemingly as confused by what's happening as, any, as his character is in the story. The first thing, one of the first things you notice about the film is the fact that um, it seems to have that 20th Century Fox logo at the front, which is unusual for a film of this type. The reason is that in 1977, Suspiria had been a reasonably unexpected box office success hit for, for Fox when it was released in the US under their International Classics banner. They wanted to capitalise on the commercial success of that film. And Argento and Dario Nicoldi, who had co-written the screenplay, announced that Suspiria was actually only, in fact, one of the proposed trilogy, which they referred to as The Three Mothers. 
The concept of us was three films was to be rise from Thomas de Quincey's Suspiria de, Bef- de Profundus, de Profundus, sorry, which was a sequel to Confessions of an Opium Eater. The prose poem of, of the book entitled Levana and Our Ladies of Sorrow, which details how there were three fates and three graces, but also three sorrows. Mata Lacerarium was the Lady of Tears, Mata Suspirium, the Lady of Sighs, and Mata Tenebrarum, the Lady of Darkness. And as the title suggests, Suspiria focused on uh, Mata Suspirium, and the evil sister featured in Fino is uh, Mata Tenebrum. The uh, Argento, after the what happened with this film, didn't actually return to complete his trilogy till 2007 with the much maligned movie The Mother of Tears. So, Argento proposed Inferno as a follow-up to Suspiria, and 20th Century Fox agreed to co-finance the production. The film was budgeted at $3 million, and producer Claudio Argento uh, secured additional co-production money from Italian and German consortiums. Nicolodi um, devised the original story concept, but received no on-screen credit for her work in the screenplay. Uh, she'd said that the reason was because she'd already fought so hard to see him, her name on Suspiria. Uh, and only realised, you know, didn't know that, didn't realise that she'd get a, a, a writing credit right until the, uh, until the premiere. Working from the story notes, Argento wrote the screenplay while staying in a New York hotel room with an overview of Central Park, which is why there's some fantastic scenes, such as a man seemingly walking over water before being devoured by the wildlife around him. But the film of Inferno actually took place on interior studio sets in Rome. There was obviously a short amount of location work, including that Central Park scene which I mentioned before. And uh, William Lustig, who is credited as the film's production coordinator, said of it, and this is speaking of the, the rat scene, they filmed the actor carrying a bag that contained some kind of moving mechanism to make it look like it was full of cats. He walked into the lake, pushed the bag underwater and fell in. At that point, some phony mechanical rats are attached to him for close-ups. When the guy at the hamburger stand runs over the lake, that guy was actually running on a, pers- uh, on a plexiglass bridge under the water. It made it look like he was actually running across the surface of the lake. All the stuff with the live rats was shot back in Europe. Um, I think it's safe to say as well that some of the scenes with the cats was... Um, was part of the reason why I hit the video nasties list. It, they look like they're being quite roughly handled. Indeed, assistant director Lamberto Barva said that he'd handled so many of the cats that it, during the shooting that afterwards he could no longer stand to be in the same room with the animals and has avoided them since. Um, obviously, Lamberto, probably better known for his work on Demons these days, the classic um, ultra-gory horror film. Um, during the film, actually, Argento described it as being one of his trickier films to to make because um, he becomes stricken with a severe case case of hepatitis, and so some of the films of the sequences had to be filmed lying on his back. 
The illness became so painful it was bedridden for a few days. Filming was then restricted to second unit work, some of which was done by Mario Barber. Um, I think um, this is possibly why, um, in actual fact, according to Irene Miracle, who is, said her scenes were directed by Matt Barber and direct Owen Argento was really on set through most of the shoot. Now that's possibly because of the way that this has happened and and and, the, and you know I, I think very much it obviously is an Argento movie because the way it's shot and the way it looks it feels like Argento particularly this era Argento anyway. Um, but um, it does those those kind of stories do do fuel add fuel to the fire for the people that kind of look at his more recent work and kind of say that he's been found out a little bit. I do think that's a tad unfair though. Um, I mean, you know, any movie is a, is a collaborative a, a collaborative effort, and if the lad wasn't well, then he wasn't well, and it was filmed over three months as it was. But also, I think that um, you know that's what second unit directors are meant to do, <laughs> basically. It was actually Argento who invited Barber in to provide some of the optical effects as well, matte paintings and trick shots for the movie. Um, some of the cityscape views are actually uh, tabletop skyscrapers built by Barber out of milk cartons. And the apartment building that Rose lived in was actually only a partial set built in the studio. Just a few floor high and a you know, small sculpture constructed by Barber. And uh, obviously that sculpture was set aflame during the end of production and was seen as the building bu- burning building. I think um, I think all this kind of more surrealist work and trying to make Italy look like Rome. I mean, Italy look like Rome. Italy look like uh, New York. Also adds to its slightly unnerving and dreamlike quality. It's on fire. It's all going to burn down. Just like before. We have to get out of this place. Understood. Mater Tenebrarum. Mater Lacrimarum. Mater Susperiorum. But men call us by a single name. A name which strikes fear into everyone's heart. They call us! Um, 
Maitland McDonough, who was one of the actresses there, suggests that Barbara had a heavy hand in the Wall Street ballroom scene. Um, but uh, apparently that was actually filmed in a, without any special optical effects at all. Um, the Incredibly, um, it was filmed using... Um, The, uh, just the incredible skills of Irene Miracle as Rose. Um, because she, she had, she was able to synchronize, she also had synchronized swimming skills. So it became quite handy and they were able to do a lot of it far more real in the water tank than you probably would have imagined they could have done. Apparently, the, um, this is, this is classic Italian rough and ready filmmaking. Um, for the fi- for this fi- for the final scene, the, the fiery like the, the building on fire scene, it was it was completely without a stunt performer. Um, the film's production photography had been completed, and uh, Claudio Argento asked if because he would be willing to perform stunt work himself as a stuntman hired for the job, broken his leg. He was assured it was absolutely safe, and the actor agreed. And he walked on set the following day. He's there, three rows of flexiglass in front of everything, and everyone are wearing hard hats. I'm the only guy standing on the other side of this. I need to say I did it all on instinct. I still feel that blast of the door blowing by me when they tell you it's in words. It's one thing when you feel the glass go flying past you with the sound of a Harrier jet. You never forget it. So it was an amusing suit, suit, shoot, if nothing else at all. And of course. Um, Oh man, McCluskey wouldn't even have been in the film if Argento originally got his way. He wanted uh, James Woods in that role, who again I think would have provided a very unusual and quite intense performance, probably a better performance in truth than McCluskey's. But um, he was already committed to Videodrome, so he went off and made his own classic movie instead. All the murderous hands were Argento's, and I think this comes back to Argento's wish to... um, to show his killers in its own in its own way. I mean, the um, you know the idea of the filmmaker being the, the the perpetrator of violence. For example, in opera, when um, the, there's the trope of the of the needles forcing the woman to keep her eyes open and witness the murders, and that being a direct reference by Argento to people who try and look away from gore. I suppose, well, we've already had a few bars of that uh, fantastic um, music um, that uh, Argento chose. Um, Suspiria obviously is known for being a very much a goblin film and, and the film that probably, you know, cemented them as being the go-to people for, for giallo and, and, and horror. Indeed, um, they obviously pop up in uh, the classic Dawn of the Dead as well at this time. But um, Argento chose uh, Keith Emerson to compose Inferno soundtrack because he wanted a different source of score. uh, Argento said he wanted to be more delicate, but I think the reality, most people will remember that incredibly heavy symphony number that uh, that marks the, the, uh, the closing of the film more than anything. Argento actually features a selection from uh, Verdi's Nabucco throughout Inferno, uh, the chorus of the Hebrew slaves, which is uh, operatic basically. (laughs) 
Argento asked Emerson to include a piece, include the piece in his soundtrack, uh, you know, from the Course of Rome. He reorchestrated that Pariso in five-four time to mimic a fast and bumpy taxi ride through Rome. Argento initially didn't recognise the song, but was later pleased to discover it was used for Sarah's uh, taxi ride. Emerson's music, however, for this met with uh, as quite a bit of uh, you know, criticism. Um, it, and unfortunately, you know, at the time, it was compared probably unfavourably, and probably rightly for that, uh, to, to Goblin's uh, Suspiria soundtrack. Well, so it was made, and it was very different and unusual and a bit crazy. And then uh, Fox, for not some unspecified reason, decided not to um, to put it out. Basically, um, in an interview with Maitland McDonough, uh, Argent speculated that Fox's decision was made due to uh, a change of management that left lots of films that had been agreed in limbo. Um, so the film sat on the shelf for five years and went straight to VHS in 1985 in the US. Uh, via the studio's key video subsidiary at that, so it was really shunted to one side. It got a belated theatrical release by Fox, playing for one week in New York City. Um, again, worldwide, it had a, free, a very minimal release. I said, I think anyone outside of Italy was lucky to see Inferno. And as such, it was not a commercial success. What of Dario? Well, he was an Italian film director, obviously born, uh, director, producer, and stream maker. Born on September 7th, 1940, and he's basically best known for his horror. Particularly Giallo, uh, films like Tenebrae, which we'll discuss at a future date, at which point I think I'll go far more into the life and career of Dario Gento. He's a fascinating man, a man who basically has two, who's had two different kind of careers. Uh, reverential in the 70s and 80s and then since probably I'd say Phenomenon being his last great work um, turning into quite a hack in truth culminating in his last two films Jello which was laughed at on the Edinburgh Film Festival and Dracula 3D which has been laughed at elsewhere So the film itself in the UK, as it says, did get a cinematic, cinematic release. Um, it was released on video over here in 1984. Um, well, actually, it was it was actually released as a cinema cut in 81 as, as part of the limited European release. But it was in August 84 when it was actually labelled as a video nasty. But it was dropped from the list in 85. Um it had 28 seconds cut from it in 1987, 20 seconds from 1993, and it's only in 2010 with the wonderful Arrow DVD and Blu-ray, Blu-ray, Blu-ray release that um, we actually get it finally uncut. Again, this is because of uh, the idea of that there was viol- there was uh, people being, you know, animals being hit or the production. Indeed, they are kind of roughly grabbed. Um, and animal lovers might uh, might wince a little bit, but according at least to the BBFC, 
they were able to prove that there wasn't any actual violent there, animal cruelty taking place during the making of the film. Indeed, the scene with the rats is obviously mechanical. So what of this film then? Uh, I said it was one of my favourites on the list, and indeed it is. Um, Argento says one of my favourite films, a favourite director ever. His early stuff is fantastic. And um, I think uh, a lot of people like uh, Lucio Fulci for his nightmarish qualities, but for me this kind of, this, this trumps it. Um, just because it's not just the dream logic's there, but it, it, it escalates it to a great deal. I mean, we'll talk a lot about Fulci over the, over the um of, over the weeks because he's such a, a dominant force uh, in the video nasties in terms of what the films that are banned and indeed some of the best films on the list are his but for me I, Inferno was uh, something a bit different and a bit darker and um, it just there's few films out there that, that just yeah, you have to just kind of like submit to and let it flow over you Um and if you like Suspiria, I do urge you to give Inferno a go. What I would say is, though, it does divide opinion. I mentioned a few weeks ago the Gentleman's Grindhouse, which was an old, um, which is an old podcast that uh, Tom, who I now do co-own the uh, the Twilight Zone Network with, um, he um, he did one of the episodes on this show. And this film, and uh, I think it's worth listening to that podcast as well if you are interested in the film, because obviously this is very fact heavy and lots of information. But I think that film comes from that podcast comes from a very much fans talk about the film, and uh, and it gives very conflicting views about whether it's good or not. And um, people have sent feedback in, and there is uh, I I sent some feedback in on that episode as well, and I'm very enthusiastic about it. Um, but um, some people send feedback in and they, and they hate it. I mean, they really do dislike it. And I think that's very interesting, those kind of very conflicting views. I think a lot of the time with horror, you can kind of, you know, pe- there is a consensus, you know, because it either works or it doesn't work. I think it's far more interesting when a film is is able to divide opinion to that extent. And uh, I think that's why this film is certainly something that you should seek out and have a watch. Anything I can do for you? I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be left alone. All right. I've got nothing to do for the next couple of hours. I could keep you company if you like. What do you do, Sarah? Study or work? I'm a music student. What about you? Oh, I'm in sports. I'm a sports writer for television. May I ask you a strange question? How strange? Have you ever heard of the Three Sisters? You mean those black singers? No. I'm talking about mythology. The triangle. Hold on. If you're talking about spooks and stuff, I don't believe in any of that. How can you be so sure? I don't believe in such things, that's all. And without any philosophical discussion. And what do you believe in? In whatever I can see and touch. You've probably heard this before. 
It's Verdi's Va Pensiero. your sister's letter. You left it at the academy. Have you read it? Well, you have to read it. It's important. Come over to my place right now. I want to tell you what happened to me. Right, well, thanks for everybody uh, for listening. And um, also, um, if you've if you uh, been in contact with me... Um, Hello to Wolf again, and he's kind of persuaded me to put the list of what's upcoming up on the website, uh, which I will do this week at some point. I haven't done it yet. Um, but to let you know what's happening next, anyway, I think that's probably probably wisest. Uh, we're going to cover Killer Nun, which is so we're sticking with the Italian theme. Not sure how that's going to go. Um, uh, it, it's it's an unusual film in the sense that you know. It's very, it's quite Italian giallo, but it's uh, there's, a, there's elements of exploitation in there. Uh, but generally, it is quite a tame movie. Um, so we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, I'll get the list up this week, I think, if I can, if I've got time. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My Twitter is at orange underscore monkey. You can email me at videonastiespodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website www.videonastiespodcast.com and on there there's links to various stories and articles I might as well mention this as well actually if you're if you're in the, if you're interested in, in the area uh, I am doing a talk about uh, well it's about writing podcasts to be fair um so yeah, if you're in the, if you're in Liverpool in the northwest, I'm given well it's it's an afternoon event, but my, my my bit of it is fifty minutes long. It is about motivation and ideas for writing uh, po- uh well, it's about blogging in truth and, and writing. But um so I don't know if you'd be if that's something you'd be interested in at all if you are. It is uh fifteen pounds. If you Google Love Your Blog Summer Workshops, um There'll be a link to it there, and you can you can buy your tickets. Um, if you are going, say hello, and I'll say hello to you, and I'll I'll buy you a pint after. Um, but anyway, next week we've got um, Killer Nun. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.
Thank you. 